Okay, Gromash, uh, would you like to give a, an update or should we just ask the questions? Uh, we can go to questions, but it's very nice here. We have about 16 or 18 devotees and the setting is quite nice. Most of you have been here are aware of that. And uh, everyone seems happy, so, so I'm happy. What are the questions? Okay, let's start with um, Anata Govinda's questions. He actually asked this, yes, uh, I mean, last week, but uh, I didn't get to it. There were so many questions. So he's saying, I wanted to ask about Maharaja's personal journey as a preacher. In our Gaudiya tradition, there is emphasis on outreach and preaching in every town and village. Maharaj was called once an incarnation of book dis- distribution by Prabhupada, but we do not see, no, but we do see that now there is more stress on, quote, preaching to devotees and internalizing the practice, end quote. What is your opinion and how much does one need to add an aspect of outside preaching in his sadhana? In my practice, I spent some, I spent some years distributing books and expecting to see the world change. But as the years pass on, the world seems to become just more crazy and hectic. How to remain inspired to spread the gospel? Well, thank you for that question. Um, and yes, uh, I was very active in such outreach, which was a major focus of Prabhupada's campaign, which he himself considered to be the campaign or the movement, as he would say, of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, in the language of Pujapachitamars, the idea, which I frame as putting Gaudi Vaishnavism on the stage with the world's religions, came in Bhaktivinoda Thakur. He was empowered for that kind of service to the world um, at a time when Gaudi Vaishnavism was... Uh, you know, worldly speaking, an obscure tradition of West Bengal. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> and um, and again, in the language of Bhakti Bhakti the idea came in Bhakti Vinod and it was given shape by Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur, who um, widely uh, disseminated Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching and was deeply um, immersed in it to the extent that he could take necessary steps to present it um, in ways that it could be better understood and embraced and uh, uh, by uh, persons outside of uh, Bengal and, uh, you know, in the history of Chaitanya Vaishnavism there. Mm-hmm. Um, he opened 64 monasteries in India and sent emissaries to Europe and, and so on. Uh, that's no ordinary, uh, uh, that's not a task for an ordinary devotee. In fact, ordinary devotees, uh, many of them misunderstood and still today misunderstand the, stand the, the innovations and the liberties that he took with uh, the form of the, the tradition as it had been um, um, 
had, as had been in place for, 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 for centuries. Um, the liberties he took with that to adjust that and tweak that, that you know, uh, the, the universality of it uh, could be appreciated by, again, modern world. Um, a lot of those, a lot of them say the form and the structure of Gaudi Vaishnavism was actually put together by the, the followers um, of the original kind of founding acharyas of Gaudi Vaishnavism, the Goswamis, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami, Shivupsanatan, Gopalbhata Goswami, and, uh, you know, and, and then Nityananda Prabhu, Advaita, Gadadhar, so forth and so on. Um, it was their followers, a generation or so, or early more, from their times, who gave started to give structure to the to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, formed greater form to it, if you will. Uh, this was largely done by the Goswami families. They were Brahmins who identified themselves as followers of Rup Sanatan um, or uh, uh, apparently a lot of Brahmins who became Gaudias adopted the surname of Goswami. You can have Nityananda Goswamis, Goswamis, uh, family men, um, Rihastas, um, largely, typically the name Goswami, you know, it refers to a, to a, to a renunciate a, a Swami, but they adopted the name out. So there's a complaint about that, that you can't make yourself a Goswami just by adopting the name. But the other side of it is it, it may be, as I said before, they had a sense of allegiance, you know, to the Goswamis and wanted their, their name. And that's kind of charming. But at any rate, they, um, Largely householders. You know, you have your ascetics, Nityananda Prabhu, the Goswamis, Gadadhar was an ascetic also. Um, and, uh, and most of their disciples, most of anyone's disciples are going to be householders. So the householders had a foot in the world as well. And so they, you know, they, they gave some shape to it all and, and, um, form and, what kind of tea lock we'll wear, or how, how we'll tie our sikas, uh, you know, uh, and um, and what mantras will be chanted, and so on. So these these kind of things, um, and that uh, all well and good, but it's somewhat uh, relative in those are details. And Bhakti Siddhanta, my point is, he had a deep enough uh, standing. In Gaudiya Vaishnavism, to understand on a deep level what's a detail and what's a principle, and this was a major uh, thrust at, coming from Bhakti Thakur himself, who, who distinguished between a Saragrahi Vaishnava and a Barabahi Vaishnava. The latter being one who carries a heavy burden of sectarian identification uh, that gets the upper hand terms of form or the essence and um, certainly this has happened to Gaudi Vaishnavas as it happens in almost all religious traditions and on the other side uh, 
Saragraha, the essence seeking Vaishnava. And that essence seeking sensibilities of Bhakti Thakur is what attracts people in the world. Those universal ideas of take universalizing those 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 teachings, showing the uh, uh, being able to to, to uh, speak about them beyond uh, dogma, so to speak. You know, when you when you read the Bhagwat speech of Bhakti Thakur, you're just electrified by, by it uh, because it's deep, glorifying the Bhagavatam, but universalizing its its teachings uh, by focusing as it does yeah, on it essentially which then that essential feeling for it and the thrust and enthusiasm and it, it can be decorated and ornamented or supported in different ways with shape and form and movements and uh, and this is our sect we're like this and it, it helps uh, and so forth as long as it doesn't get the upper hand so to speak so Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthakur was such a reformer. So again, in the words of Pujapachita the idea came in Bhakti Vinotakur, and Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthakur gave shape to it, and then he said, and Bhakti Vidanta Swami Prabhupada took it all over the world. Mm-hmm. Right? And I came in there. Uh, when he was taking it all over the world, I got picked up from the world by him. And because that was his principal. Uh, thrust to take it all over the world, which is very Nityanandesque. Amongst the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we can make a strong case which one is the best. Is it Advaita? Amongst the Panchatattva, for example. Is it Srivastakur? Is it Nityananda Prabhu? Is it Garadhar? Hmm? Yes. 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 And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, of course, is the fifth. And we can make a case showing their particular contributions hmm? They were empowered uh, to um, to make. Um, uh, we can make a very good case. Great is the best. And without him, he called Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through his puja and, and it brought him here. Uh, uh, Pandit, the Radha of of, of Gorlila, stepped out of the way so that Chaitanya. The sacrificing moved in extreme Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would enter into the bhav of Radha and so forth. Or Nityananda uh, Prabhu, wide distribution of Gaudi Vaishnavism. And Prabhupada is, you know, following in the wake of that, um, uh, Bhaktivinoda himself and his diksha line comes from the line of Nityananda Prabhu. And so that wide circulation is, you know, is very much part of. Nityananda Prabhu's uh, contribution, we find it in Bhakti. We know this is this where, where it's that's coming from, and it's contagious. And and so and Prabhupada was very much carrying that, and took it all over the world. And so you know myself, you ask about myself, and other than ask about myself, I was very much yes involved in that um, that kind of uh, wide campaign and he uh, referred to me not to Govinda or he referenced um, Prabhupada referring to me as the um, what did he say the incarnation of book distribution 
um, that's called the Grunta Prasara Avatar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can write it down. The Grunta Prasara Avatar. Um, and um, that was a very generous uh, statement on his part. He wrote it in a letter. It was a famous letter in those days when Prabhupada would write a letter from India, he would come you know, to, the, to the United States. It was written to some of the United States where I was. And, uh, and it would get opened before it got to the person and, and read, you know, and then we, we read to everybody. So it was one of those type of letters. He said, uh, you're, you're the incarnation of book distribution. Take the necessary steps and do the needful, Prabhupada wrote. So I'm trying to do that. Um, but yes, I was very involved in outreach. Now, um, the question is about you know the importance of outreach, how much that should be factored into someone's actual spiritual life and practice, as opposed to a more uh, contemplative, let's say, life, which the tradition obviously lends itself to. Ultimately, it's in, it's internal, right? You have kind of an external bhakti of, of uh, worshiping the deities and. Uh, all of the things that that might involve, cooking for them, cleaning for them, shopping for them, um, uh, sharing their teachings with others and so forth. All of this is meant to lead to to purification of the heart in in the start and with that, an internal life of internal experience that ultimately uh, one one turns into and, and doesn't come back out. Going there, one never returns. Such is that place, right? So, um, um, you know, I was very involved in that, and it was very um, efficacious uh, for me in terms of uh, uh, affording me, as I say, are you there? still here, an inner life. And um, and I think that, um, and at the same time, I should say, with regard to that inner life, at different times during his campaign, Prabhupada said, I think we have enough students now and we should boil the milk. I think the first time he wrote that to us was 1975. Hmm. Uh, maybe it was 1970, maybe even earlier, at least 1975. Um and the mission was kind of roaring at that time, you know, in terms of its growth and new people joining and so on and so forth. And so Prabhupada had that side. One of my godbrothers once, a sannyasi named Guru Kripa Maharaj, told Prabhupada in Mayapur that he wanted to just sit and, and, and do non-budget. And Prabhupada said, yeah, you can try it. There's a grass hut there. Prabhupada used to live in the grass hut, so he let him stay in the grass hut. So he was chanting, uh, you know, a uh, hundred... 100,000 names, 200,000 names a day. And um, he told me this himself. And he said, uh, first week, it went pretty good. Second week, you know, second week, about 10 days, 12 days in. Every day, someone would bring some prasadam, just put it under the door for lunch. We'd take his lunch and come back and chant. He said, after about uh, 10, 12 days, I started to think, are you going to bring that same doll again today? Don't they have any pakoras? Hmm. He's giving an example of how his mind, his conditioning was such that he couldn't fully take advantage of the name and it needed to be dealt with, so to speak, 
by some balance in the sadhana. As I've often said, sadhana is an, is an art. One has to learn how to tell their own temperature. How do you have the different senses? There are angas of bhakti for all of the senses. Uh, your active senses and your senses of perception. And, um, and all of them are supposed to be engaged in such a way that, that the sixth sense or the eleventh sense is captured the mind, right? So the goal of sadhana is to capture the mind. So we have to be a little artful and skillful in our sadhana. This is, so just so it doesn't become, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to be doing it. But you can, you can tweak it in different ways and so forth. And as we become a little more adept, you know, then, then, um, well, uh, we're skillful, if you will, in our, um, our, our sadhana. So, um, at this point, anyway, you know, the mind went further. His mind, from what kind of aren't there any pakoras out there? What about a sand dish and, and, and so forth? Then he, he, before the month was over, he realized, I, I, you know, my mind is uh, is not being captured at this at this point. So he went to Prabhupada and told him. Prabhupada laughed and said, he "said Go and preach for ten years and come back and try again." So there's a place for that, trying again, if you will, you know, uh, for the uh, uh, contemplative pursuit as opposed to just outreach. While Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasatakra emphasized the outreach and so did Prabhupada, anything, whether it be an emphasis on the outreach or whether it be an emphasis on the contemplative uh, side, can be done um, in excess in a way that's counterproductive. Bhaktisiddhanta, in his preaching, was responding to an excess of emphasis on internal life and therefore discussion of higher topics, parakya bhav and detail and so on and so forth. And then so many Babaji's were having parakya of their own in the world. That's not what it's about, right? So problem. Um, and so he said, get up, you know, stop imit, you know, classical statement of the box. Don't stop imitating Haridas stock or he himself wrote a poem. Kayam. What kind of Vaishnava are you? Means, what, 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 what kind of Vaishnava are you? He's talking to his mind. This is He wrote this poem after sitting for chanting a billion, I think it was a billion names, right? however long that took, a long time, sat in solitary bhajan. Then he got up and said, my dear mind, what kind of Vaishnava are you? Hmm? Think Simply thinking... Uh, prestige and honor that you will get for sitting and doing bhajan like Haridas Thakur and uh, in the context of that poem his conclusion was Kirtana Prabhavi Smaranas Prabhavi better get up and do Kirtan and by the Prabhav by the force the power of Kirtan Smaranam Swabhav it will come it, it will come naturally and be a permanent um, affair, if you will, and then it, it can be it can also be nourished by ongoing kirtana. And he had a dynamic idea of kirtan, which was the brihat madanga, the printing press, and so on and so forth. Um, I mean, basically, his idea was that actively involve yourself with your senses in an effort to explain these high ideals to to the common people. And that's quite a task. That that caused you got to think about it. how am I going to do that? You know, 
how am I going to present it and so forth? And ultimately, I have to embody it hmm, if I'm going to teach it. So it is a powerful um, um, means, but but um, but as I say, just as the emphasis on contemplative life can be overdone and create a problem that needs to be addressed in the way that Bhakti Siddhanta did with an emphasis on outreach that's going to, going to consume one and bring on internal life. Similarly, emphasis on outreach can also become uh, in excess and one just keeps busy, busy, busy managing temples and, uh, and, and, and no time for chanting and, and no time for going more deeply into the texts, into the scriptures. And then the preaching becomes after, after 50 years of Prabhupada's campaign, vegetarianism, reincarnation, you know, still instead of, you know, yeah, being able to bring out or, more of the wealth of what, what Gaudi Vaishnavism actually is. And the preaching is to new people, which is easy to do. You know, you know, you can do it with your eyes closed in your sleep. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you want to do it artfully, mm-hmm. um, in a way that will also captivate older devotees, that's, that's another thing. But that requires some depth of penetration, penetration into what it's about on a deeper deeper uh, level. And by contrast, uh, from preaching to new people, preaching to the devotees who have been involved for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and being able to inspire them, that requires much more um, depth of penetration into Krishna consciousness. That, 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 um, to be able to do that, one's preaching, if you will, has to have been effective in terms of affording one an inner life. Um, so so the answer to your question is it, it's, it, it's really not a, a one-size-fits-all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a particular there's a, uh, I had a recommendation, I was asked I mean, I, I Usually, um, advice unsolicited is not much appreciated, but I was solicited uh, not, not so long ago um, by a member of ISKCON, the Prophet's mission, formal mission advice, and uh, my advice was, let all the sannyasis stop preaching to new people. Stop and let them, let them, let them preach only to devotees hmm, about what Krishna consciousness is. And, and then naturally those devotees will be able to assimilate so much and, and they're still more in touch with the world and uh, others and, and so forth. And, and then let that overflow uh, to them. Um, um, let them travel from temple to temple, two or three, uh, say, say sannyasis and give, you know, lectures on Brihat Bhagavatamrita for a week in the next temple and then following them another a couple of sannyasis coming and doing a seminar on Chaitanya Chartamut and so on and so forth. Uh, I mean, we, when I was young, myself, my godbrothers and god sisters, we were being nourished monthly by, by a three, four hundred page book from Prabhupada. We didn't know if they had four arms, six arms, six heads, eight heads, you know, or, or what was next, you know, what other dimensions, you know, there might be out there or in there. It's pretty exciting. 
and um, and then with that, you know, that was energizing the outreach. So the outreach, it was really energized by something that's coming from within. The, the, in this case, the emotional ecstasies, as probably used to refer to as purports, right, for energizing us. Um, so, I mean, you need both, and you need uh, that balance, and, and it's it's up to um, individuals, really. There's no one size fits all. So, uh, but 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 uh, let it, let us underscore the fact that there's a place for um, placing more emphasis, to use Prabhupada's metaphor, on boiling the milk, mm-hmm. boiling the milk, um, and. As for myself, you ask about myself, well, that's one side of me, right? That I was very much engaged in uh, circulating Prabhupada's books and so forth. But um, after his passing, as you know, I had the fortune of coming under the guidance of Pujapachita Maharaj. Pujapachita Maharaj's emphasis to me was to do what he called... Um, no, relief work. Relief work. So was kind of an adjustment I'm talking about. Rather than preaching, if you will, to to the to new people, relief work, preach to the devotees themselves, the other devotees. Uh, focus there. Um, so this is this is this is really kind of a, a, an outreach in a sense that constitutes more directly, in a more concentrated sense, a boiling of the milk. And so it's a, it's a weaning away from just, you know, the widest reach of preaching, sitting and trying to figure, how am I going to attract, you know, this sect of people that does this and does that? Maybe I'll write a book about that thing. And, you know, you can get pretty far out there. And, and there's well, these days, there's just all kind of things out there. Uh, and to capture them all, uh, it's, uh, you're right. I mean, when I was young, too, I thought we might take over the world. But, I mean, it's like we didn't know it was in the world. We didn't have the Internet to find out what was out there. <laughs> Man, there's a lot out there, crazy ideas. And the Internet's making it even crazier for people, you know, uh, to, to, to express, you know, their 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 thoughts and so forth. And it's just so bizarre, um, the idea of capturing it, you know, with, with any particular narrative seems far-fetched. Mm-hmm. And then you have to gravitate towards the fact that, hey, you know, you want to save the world. Well, what's the world? What's your idea of the world? The United States, Europe, uh, the planet Earth. I mean, this is just you ever see that, you know, here's Earth, you know, here's, you know, Mars. Here's whatever it's Jupiter, you know. You know when they get to the end, it's just, here's the sun, and they got, you get to the end of it, the Earth is like a pea, you know, like a ant or something. You know? So what's the world? Was a famous devotee from South India, one or, or associate of Mahabu, Vasudev, Vasudev Ghosh, I think, wanted to uh, wanted to liberate the whole world, wanted to take the karma of all the world. So that everyone could be liberated um, before himself, and Mahaprabhu really appreciated his his compassion. But he said, huh, "If from a herd of goats, herd of herd of cows, one sheep goat gets lost, who will notice?" His way of saying, "What is the world? How big is it? 
It's it's infinite and it's and it's and it's the material world, and it's it'll never end. So you're not after a while. You're, well, I'm not going to save the whole world. <laughs> That's not going to happen. It's always going to be there. So kind of that idea is kind of like well, you know, it becomes more informed and so forth. And then you might think, well, you know, where is that sector of society that I could, you know, help the most? Where where could I, you know, lend myself? And, and so uh, there's different ways to think about that. Pujapachita Marsh gave emphasis to me on, um, you know, in more internal life or turning towards, um, as I said, uh, outreach to the devotees, um, relief work, and... Um, and you know it's been it's been good um and and that's all i do and so i don't i don't have a big mission with, with all kinds of uh facilities and social life and so forth for everybody um but uh, but it, it has its place so uh, you know you you want a formula not to go into i can't give you a particular formula it's it's for everybody to decide um but try to learn to tell your own temperature and, and um, pray how you think if you if you need to spend time um, sharing the tradition with with the people at large. You, you try to pray in such a way that you could be you could be useful uh, in doing that. But there's a lot. Uh, you're you're an old devotee. You've been initiated for many years. There's a lot that um, that one like yourself could do to help other um uh devotees i think there's just a lot a lot of a lot of help that's needed for devotees it's it's a huge uh huge field um and uh and it's uh it's it can be thankless task to it's tough uh so it's a challenge I, I would I would suggest make a humble suggestion, kind of turning more in that direction, rather than just uh, try to bring in uh, some new person. Who, after a while, you realize, holy cow, they don't understand anything. How how, how much? <laughs> oh my gosh, where are we going to go with this? Um, it's, uh, it's for every student you bring on, you're gonna take them a long, a long ways, right? So, therefore, Rupa Goswami said, "Don't initiate too many disciples." <laughs> and new people come naturally, you know that that that's a given. They they they'll come, so you have to, and we love them and happy for them. Take the time to to, uh, to teach them and embody the teaching and so forth. We don't have to run here, there, and everywhere to find them. They'll come. There's plenty who need help. They're already here at the door. That's my thoughts on it. I hope that helps. We can't hear you, but... Thank you, Maharaj. It was very insightful. Very inspiring. Thank you. Where are you living now? Uh, San Anselmo, Marin County. Same place. Still in Marin County. Somebody told me you had moved to Oregon, but no. I've been there for a couple of years, but we came back. We're there through the pandemic. San Anselmo. It's San Rafael, next to San Rafael. We'd love to make a program here, you know, next time you're around. Okay, I think I'll do that. Thank you, Mark. Good to see you.
Okay, well, that was a long answer. What's the question, too? Well, what's, what's next? I had a follow-up question, if that's okay. So, you said to Ananda Govinda that you think your suggestion was that it'd be better for him to help devotees. But, like, what would that look like, practically speaking, for somebody like me or him, like, on this level of advancement? Like, what does that exactly mean? It means he hold a program in his house and invite me to come. There you go. <laughs> like that <laughs> those type of things if you find someone you think understands Krishna consciousness better than you and can convey it and try to help that person um, by your own enthusiasm then you can draw him or her out you know to extend help to others nice let's put the program idea on the list Maharaj okay. alright I'll be back in a month in your area in California this sounding sounding good. Okay, the next question is from uh, Krishna Karnam. Uh, he's they're still working on your Bhagavad Gita. Uh, in fact, he said uh, it's probably going to come out when you go to Poland next uh, this coming summer. But in that line, he's asking in your commentary on verse eighteen point sixty seven of the Bhagavad Gita. You wrote this about its most confidential message. Quote, the most confidential knowledge of the Gita is not merely that one becomes Krishna's devotee. Go back and read again. The most confidential knowledge of the Gita is that one follow in the footsteps of the inhabitants of Braj and become that kind of devotee. End quote. So then Krishna Karnam says, later Krishna asks Arjun if he understood his message and he confirmed that he did. So my understanding is that love can only be fully understood by the one who experiences it. So why does Krishna preach to Arjuna about becoming a Braja Bhakta when in the commentary on verse 1866 you write, quote, this is the secret of the Gita that Krishna has confided in Arjuna, even though Arjuna himself is not suited for this kind of love, end quote. Should we understand that at that stage, Arjuna did not understand this most confidential message, but later when he became Ramananda Roy, uh, his sidebob changed. Please explain these topics. Your servant Krishna Karnam does. No, his sidebob did not change. Um, first, 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 uh, first part of the question: Why did he pick Arjun um, to uh, speak the Bhagavad Gita to? If the Bhagavad Gita is ultimately about Braj Bhakti. Why didn't you pick a Braj Bhakta? Um, well, I think that, um, first of all, Arjun is a Saka. Of course, he's, his Sakya Bab is a little different than the, uh, the, the Sakya Bab of Braj. But he's a very dear, dear associate of Krishna, nonetheless. And he's also, um, a, a very prominent person in the world, uh, a warrior, a statesman. Um, and so I suppose you could reason that he chose Arjun because he had such a worldly um, position and at the same time was a confidential devotee, not not a Braj Bhakta, but, um, but a... Uh, Confidential devotee in a, in a parsha, you know, of Krishna, um, and 
while it's true, as we Gaudias say, that the Gita is really ultimately about Braj Bhakti, it's also about Bhakti in, in, in general and all types of Bhakti. And uh, it's not not about those things. So, the, you know, the statement, like, go back and read again, you know, that, that's a, that's a Gaudiya Bhav to say that. Um, that's our feeling about about the Gita. And that, that, that's what it does for us, and it's it's warranted, and so forth. Um, uh, but it's not that's not to say that 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 the Gita is not talking about bhakti in, in general for all types of devotees. It is in all types of devotees reading the Bhagavad Gita, right? What 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 Gaudiya, what 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 Vaishnava Sampradaya doesn't uh, um, um, love Bhagavad Gita. So, um, so why did he? But anyway, why did he choose somebody? Well, I, I've given a kind of a relative answer. Arjuna was was a prominent person, and also, of course, it it, it, it spontaneously arose in the context of the uh, you know of the of the Mahabharat. Mm-hmm. So in the context of the Mahabharata, as I've said in my commentary, uh, Krishna is again, uh, you know, on uh, at Kurukshetra. Something happened there before relative to Brajbhav. There he is again at Kurukshetra. And so the inspiration came. And who's, who else is there? Who is he going to talk to? Well, Arjuna is the only one there. That he, that he, the closest person amongst his associates in that situation that he could talk to. Hmm? And course, it's also said in the Puranas that one day Arjuna asked Krishna about the gopis bhav. What is that gopi, those girls, you know, those milkmaidens in Vrindavan that love you, what, what's that all about? Hmm? And so Krishna said, oh, you want to understand that? Go to Braj. Go to this place here, this kund, and take a bath in that kund. He didn't say, okay, let me give a discourse on Gopi Bhav, what it is, and I'll read Ujjval Nilamani to you. He more or less said, this is something that can't be explained. Hmm? But go with the Braj, bathe in this pond, and you'll get your answer. So according to the the Purana, Krishna, Arjuna went to Vrindavan, bathed in there, and he came out as a Gopi. Hmm? He had a body of a Gopi. And then some gopis came and said, "Oh, gopi!" and 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 his name was Arjuniya, Gopi Arjuniya. And and then in their company, for a day, he was gopi for a day. <laughs> there used to be a TV show, King for a Day, Queen for a Day, or something like that. When I was a kid. Some lady would be named the housewife would get the crown, and she won the prize. I, don't know, I forget what the game show was. So when I was a young kid, my mother used to watch it all the time. Queen for a day. So he was Gopi for a day. And, um, of course, the story, in one sense, is meant to, is, the, of the Puran is meant to underscore to us the virtues and the glory of Gopi Bhav. That's the main message. And then historical, if you will, narrative is given in order to do that. Arjun asked about it. Even Arjun you know, was wondering about it. How, how close of a devotee is everybody knows Arjun's a great devotee. Some people say the gopis are, but I mean, who are they? When go, 
look at the questions of Arjun and the Gita, you know, and look at his prowess and the, the stories of him are very public, spreading Dharma and so forth. And there's this idea that these gopis are very high. What's that all about? Who are, who are they? Never heard of them. I mean, they're just like jungle people, right? Herding cows and stuff, carrying cow dung on their heads and making houses out of cow dung, patties and, and so forth. Um, so, so what, what is that gopi bhav? Uh, and, uh, so I, so anyway, I, I do experience it for a day, gopi for a day. And, um, and that's what the story is about. The story is not about Arjun got a stai, changed his stai bhav into a gopi, and he's Arjun, and then there's this Arjuniya gopi also that's, that's in, that's in Braj, and Arjun has two stai bhavs as a, as a sakka in, in, in the metropolitan region, and he's a gopi. That's not what the story is saying, because the stai bhav doesn't change. We do find devotees in different leelas, but their stayabab doesn't doesn't change. Uh, so anyway, so Gopi for a day, right? He had an experience, and then then Arjuna comes back into Arjuna, whatever. So he had some experience of Gopi Bhav. From that pharaonic story, we can make that the argument, and and there he is in Kurukshetra and. Krishna stepping down to Kurukshetra reminds him of he was there before. He met the gopis there after being absent for a long time. They had a very meaningful exchange, very deep. Where he said, my, in spite of the fact that I'm here with all these queens and royal duties, my heart is always with you and so forth and so on. I'll return soon. And, and now he's on Kurukshetra again by force of circumstances. And these thoughts come to him. And that in the context of well, what Arjun should do is, is a perplexing situation with the war and so forth. So he begins to philosophize to Arjun. Arjun had the problem. He begins to philosophize to Arjun. And he's his confident, most confidential devotee there. And um, these other thoughts are also on his mind and they surface in the Gita. And the Gaudis see those, right? They pick up, pick up on that. And therefore they say, this is ultimately what it's about. But it's not all it's about. And then with regard to Arjun um, appearing in Gorilla as uh, Brahman under Roy, well, um, why do we say that Arjun is Brahman under Roy? We say that because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, he said, Baba under Roy is, the, is Maharaj Pandu, and his five sons are the Pandavas. And amongst them, Brahmananda is Arjun. So, Later, when Kabikarnapur wrote his book, Gorgona Desh Deepika, he was uh, making a spiritual conjecture with Shastra Yukti based on scripture. He was reasoning uh, scripture and reports of other devotees and things that could be seen in different devotees. What Babas of Braj were manifest in Gaur Leela in different devotees? And could, and could and could allow us then to identify, to some extent at least, that devotee in Gorlila with a devotee in Krishna Lila, right? And uh, with regard to some of the persons, 
He says, it could be this, it could be that. Some say this, some say that, right? And Ramananda Roy is one of the more complex figures for um, Kabhikarnapur. And he says, some say that Ramananda Roy is Arjun and Pandava Arjun and Arjun Saka, the Narma Saka of Braj. He says, some say he's Lalita, but Mahaprabhu says he's Pandava Arjun. In that, Kavikarnapur is saying, we don't agree with that he's Lalita. We have to preserve Mahaprabhu's opinion. Maybe we can tweak that or add something to that that makes theological sense. But to say that he is the Litasaki, that, that we can't do that. So if you look carefully at the text, he, he's rejecting that. Then he says, others, he's got two opinions that are valid. One, Mahaprabhu's opinion, that he's Pandavarjun. Two, maybe he's Pandavarjun combined with uh, uh, Arjun Saka, was the Priyanarma Saka. Why is that extension being suggested? For the very reason that you're asking. Because Ramananda Roy, when he's speaking with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Chaitanya, Chaitanya Charitamrita, it's kind of the Gita replayed, right? Uh, with reverse roles, with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asking the questions and his devotee Ramananda giving the answers. Well, the answers take us all the way to to the highest form of Radhabhav, right? So how does Pandava Arjun, what is his familiarity with that? So the devotees are trying to say, yeah, Mahaprabhu said he's Pandava Arjun, okay. But then where do you get all this out? These other gopi ideas, we have to figure out somehow to answer that question. This is the way some of the devotees answer. He must be a combination of Arjun Pandava and Arjun Saka, because the Priyanarma Sakas, they're fully acquainted with the, the gopis' life. They're as good as the gopis. Their familiarity with that, their participation in that. Then he goes on, he says, as I say, some say he's elite, but Mahaprabhu says he's Pandavar, so that, that can't be. Then he says, but others say he's Arjun, Pandava Arjun, and Arjuniya, which I referenced earlier. And he seems to like that opinion. So he gives three, three, he's three. He's Pandava Arjun, that's for sure. Maybe he's Pandava Arjun and Arjun Saka, and maybe he's Pandava Arjun and Arjuniya. And each of those two cases, that addition is an, an attempt to explain how it is that that Pandava Arjun, as Ramana Roy, would have acquaintance with the Gopi Bhav, right? So you can decide: is it the Arjuniya in him? resurfacing, you know, uh, or those sensibilities coming to the fore, or is it Arjun Saka? Of course, if it's Arjun Saka, it's curious, because then he's the combination of the two, which means he has an identity in Gaur-Lila only. Because um, he's not going to be a combination of the two in, 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 in Rajas, Arjun Saka's there. And Pandava Arjun's here. Put the two together here. Well, there he is. So someone might say, I don't like that. I, I like the Arjuni idea better. But the Arjuni ideas, you know, you can make an argument either way. Now, that said, 
Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami writes about this in Chaitanya Charitamrita. He identifies our uh, Ramananda with Sakibhav more than once. And he also emphasized the point that he is, Mahaprabhu uh, says that he is Pandava Arjun. But he also says that in the end, when Ramananda and Surabdhamada were catering to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and assisting him to step into Mahabha, into Radha's Bhav, and Mahaprabhu was, was, was completely internal, that at that time he said, Surup Damodar nourished him, helped him, just like Lalita Saki. And Ramananda nourished him, just like Subal does. Now, Subal, Arjun Saka, he's a, this is the Priyanarma Saka Bhav. He's saying, he nourished him in Priyanarma Saka Bhav. Like Subal doesn't mean Subal, it means in Priyanarma Saka Bhav. Hmm? So Krishna Das Kaviraj takes the opinion that Pandava Arjun hmm, seems to be, I would say, like seems to like the idea oh, he's a combination of with Arjun Saka, hmm, something like that. But I mean, I'm, we're not talking to him, we can only make that kind of conjecture. But these are ways in which this question has been um, thought about. Um, we don't turn Pandava Arjun into 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 you know um, um, changing his his taibab, so to speak as he, as he to answers the question it's, it's an interesting topic I take it that question was written in but Krishna Karnam is not with us at the moment yeah correct uh, thank you. That was a very comprehensive answer. Um, we have a couple more questions, but we probably have time for only one more. So let's take in the order that they came to me, which would be Brajahari's question. He says, if Krishna hears our prayers despite being absorbed in Brajlila, is every situation in our life loaded with meaning? And can we derive, can we derive Krishna's answers from them in every moment? Or do some situations lack meaning and are something like the silence of God? Thank you. Well, you know, to say that uh, Krishna hears our prayers uh, because we pray to him in Braj, that he is our ideal and object of our love, although we are distracted and we're only sadhakas, but he hears uh, because he's omniscient, despite the fact that his omniscience is largely covered over by the praying of Brudge, which makes him think that he's just a coward boy. doesn't mean his omniscience has gone away. It's just in the background. And it connects with the prayers of the sadhakas, right? Mm-hmm. Who have the ideals uh, of of those Madhurya, Sakya, Vatsalya, that are covering his omniscience, largely causing it to recede to the background. So yes, the sadhakas of that type Krishna can hear their prayers with his omniscience. But then, you know, those prayers have to be the right kind of prayers. They have to be heartfelt and so forth. To get, to get his attention, well, you're going to have to consider that that, that his omniscience is, is in the background, right? So to bring it to the foreground, we should make the argument anyway that, that we, should, he, we should be very sincere. Bhaktivinoda says that, oh, Krishna hears the Nanda Kumar, the son of Nanda, hears the prayers of his Sharanagatas. So we should focus on being a Sharanagata, right? And those kind of prayers, 
that will get Krishna's attention, right? Um, that said, um, as much as we consider ourselves to be devotees and think of ourselves as devotees and think that Krishna is in our lives, I mean, if in every situation you find yourself, you're thinking about Krishna and the philosophy of Krishna and why has Krishna got me here now? And this is your kind of like preoccupation, right? Then you're going to find reasons for it, at least in your mind. Right, and you're going to think of Krishna, and so I, I often say that it's useful whether Krishna is personally involved in your life, or to what extent. I should say he is. To what extent? Well, that, that may be a question because again, he's lost in Vrindavan. To what extent is he present in in, in your life? Well, it's as much as you want him to be present in your life is kind of kind of the answer. Is he present in the lives? Look at the deities and how they respond to people. Krishna deities. Like, well, he's, he's there in their lives, causing things to happen. Hmm? Um, uh, so as much as we want him in our life, he'll be in our life. And as much as we think he's in our life, well, that's good for us because we learn to be dependent upon Krishna. Hmm? And the more we depend upon Krishna, the more we think of him, the more he's in our life. Is Krishna, is Krishna his dip, not different from his name? Yes. So is he in our life? Yes. Hmm? Um, but um, I think it's, it's a question of, you know, the, the intensity to which we are absorbed in such. Um, but um, um, you ask, you know, does every, everything in life have meaning? And I think maybe you mean, does everything that happened to me in my life have meaning in terms of my trajectory towards Krishna consciousness? Maybe that's what you mean. Is there a lesson for me to learn? Otherwise, besides that, everything has meaning, of course. I mean, we're living in the mind of God. The world is the mind of God. <laughs> everything has meaning. But what what the meaning is, why somebody's here, and why that soul is in that tree, and another one's in another tree, why that tree died, why this one didn't. I mean, sure, there's a reason for it. We look at the, the principle of karma, but it's, it's not up to us to sort all that out, and, and, and neither could we. Neither is it, you know, important. But then we think, what about me, <laughs> my life, my karma? Or, or, you know, um, in that regard, we say that, that that the karma that we have. If you want to look at karma, kind of separate from Krishna, karma comes from like we did something, and material nature responded accordingly, and, the, and, the, and, and God allows material nature to do that, so that He doesn't get in the way of justice. Um, except in extraordinary cases by overriding it through through mercy. But there has to be justice for there to be mercy. There has to be justice in the first place. So um, certain things are happening to you because of your karma rather than they're happening to you because Krishna moved you here, Krishna set up this for you there, as might be more the case for a more advanced uh, devotee. Why did things happen the way they did to the Pandavas? We think Krishna's behind it. He's arranged it. Why did it, what happened to Bharat Maharaj happen? Krishna arranged that. That's called Shobhana Karma, beautiful karma. So that's one thing. The other thing is that the devotee has karma, but it hasn't even corrupted karma, but it has not fully been, um, uh, play, hasn't fully played out. Um, but 
one might not experience the full karma that one's due, due to his, his or her participation in Krishna Bhakti. You should have got run over by a car, by a car and, and instead uh, something less than that happened, let's say. Uh, so it, it's thought that by Krishna in our lives, that the, the, the karma that we're due, we're getting like a token of it, something like that. And now that token of it could be taken as, if you probably the thoughtful devotee, as a way to help me understand how to go forward and so forth. But um, I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time on that uh, other than just uh, recommending that devotees be introspective uh, in all instances and, and really try to locate themselves on the spiritual path as this is what I do. And then there are other things that I do that I have to, take care of my body and my family and this, that, and the other thing. And I, I connect that with it as much as I can, but this is what I am. And in the course of that, all kinds of things are going to happen. And I have really little control over that, but it's just a show. It doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change the fact that I'm, that I'm not the body uh, and that I'm on this spiritual trajectory. And, um, and whether I, I made a lot of money, I lost a lot of money, uh, or I, whatever happened to me, it, it, it's uh, it's superficial. I don't know if I'm really answering the question. It's kind of talking in a broader way. I mean, everything has meaning. Um, does everything have meaning to me in terms of this happened to me because of this, in terms of my, again, progress in Krishna consciousness? I'm going to try to think along those lines and, and, and you can find answers like that that would be encouraging. And that's the best I can do with the question of given the time if uh, further clarification is required. I hope to be with you next week. Thank you very much. Um, there's one more question from Chaitanya Taran. It's an interesting question about the Gita, but let's leave that for the next for next week as well. Okay. Well, Nice to be with you. You too, Gormach. Haribo. Haribo. Shalom, Gormach. Kijai. Bye.